0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the MLB Pipeline podcast. I am Jonathan Mayo, alongside Jim Callis, as we are more often than not. Our fearless host, Jason Ratliff, still on the injured list. Hopefully, return to action next week. He'll be rehabbing at a minor league podcast near you. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about today. We've got our top 200 draft list coming out. We're expanding from 150 to 200, so we're going to talk about that. And Jim and I are going to do uh, another mini 20-pick draft, not a mock. Remember that? Jim was able to sit down with one of the players who is being considered at the very top of the draft, and that is high school shortstop Marcelo Meyer in California. Talk about five guys joining that top 200 list, and then, of course, we don't want to ignore the minor leagues altogether. Talk about Jared Kelnick and Logan Gilbert's debuts for the Mariners. New guys on the top 100, and as always, we will finish up with a question from you, the listeners and or tweeters in our mailbag. Jim, it's funny. I keep thinking that we're getting closer to the draft. And it's one of those weird feelings that like, you know, like a horror movie when you're walking down the hallway and you think you see the door at the end, but the door keeps getting further away. And I know that's not the case. And there will be a point in time in July when we're like, oh, I wish we had a little more time. But it just still seems so far away. But there's a lot of exciting things happening.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's. I'll be curious. I mean, I think just like scouts are, we're kind of interested to see what exactly you know unfolds in June, which will be weird. You know, as opposed to you know, in a normal year, Jonathan, the draft would be three weeks away. Honestly, we'd be just about done. I mean, we'd be you know doing, I guess, mock drafts constantly and trying to figure out like if we need to make any adjustments. But it feels weird that instead of Three weeks away, it's it's really, you know, seven plus, I think like seven and a half weeks away. I have, you know, it's, it's it feels a little odd still.
2: Yeah,
0: it's uh, and still so much up in the air with, you know, last year's season being shortened and or shut down, depending on the level, and then not all that extra time teams normally don't have to to consider and to evaluate. So it, it certainly is going to be an interesting thing as we try to sort of whittle down to what's going to happen at the top and what's going to happen beyond that. Uh, but uh, it, it is always a, a fun time as we get here. So, like, I don't know if I have full-on draft fever yet. Maybe it's just like a draft sniffle. I don't know, like how you would characterize where you are on that spectrum.
1: Um, I think I have draft fever. Um, definitely um, enjoying it. I mean, need to get a few more blurbs done for the top 200. Like, we're, we're facing that crush. But you and I both recently got access to Synergy, so that is that has stoked my draft fever, Jonathan. Being able to Watch video and break down all kinds of things with with players in the draft is is crazy. I I have avoided getting addicted to synergy yet, although I could definitely Oof. see how it could happen. Denial's not
0: just a river in Egypt.
1: It's, I, I, hard. I, I, it's I've, I've I've limited my time on synergy. I've I've done a yeah, kind of good I've, job, I think.
0: Yeah, I've limited it to the guys that I'm writing up, but it, I've definitely found it useful. And for people that don't know, and then we're gonna jump right into our twenty, our, our top twenty pick draft. But, uh, synergy is a service that, you know, all the teams use, uh, it's got video, it's got pitch velo information. Uh, it's got some outcome information. It's just a really, really good resource, uh, that teams love. You know, and Jim and I had heard separately from many scouts, like you guys should get synergy. Like you really need synergies. And now we have it. And, uh, it is a very, very valuable tool for us as we, uh, Inform ourselves as we write these reports. Um, so it's been it's been a lot of fun. It just you have to remind yourself not to fall into a, into a rabbit hole to see what you know. Player A does against the change up. I'm just picking some random thing. But all right, let's uh, let's jump right in here. Uh, we did this exercise uh, a few weeks ago uh, when we were just sort of trying to get a sense of what the draft class looked like. And we're going to do it again now as things are are taking shape a little bit more. Things are still very muddled at the top, as, as we've talked about. But we're going to have a top 20 pick draft. Now, we're going to say this, and people are going to ignore it. Jim, would you like to give the strongly worded? Yes. Uh, Disclaimer. This is not
1: a mock draft. We're not projecting that these teams will take these players. It's funny because the last time we did this, it got reported all over the Internet and Twitter that we did a mock draft and we were projecting this team to take that player. And this is not. Simply put, if Jonathan and I were making the picks in order, and we're not even factoring in team need. You don't draft for team need at the top. If, simply put, if Jonathan and I were just drafting for every team, one through 20, here is who we would pick based on talent. We are not projecting that team A will take player B. And, and Jonathan, I went first in the last draft. Um, I don't even remember who we picked, to be honest. I, I think I took Jack Leiter number one. I, I must have. Um, but since I had the first pick you did last time, Uh, I think it's only fair that you should have the first pick this time and kick it off.
0: I will kick it off. And again, this is not based on what I think the pirates are going to do or should do. This is who I would take with the number one overall pick. And for me right now, I think it comes down to one of the two high school shortstops. So I'm going to kick it off. And as people probably know by now, we split the country up, uh, you know, kind of in half uh, geographically, hopefully more often than not. So I'm going to take the guy in my area and I'm going to take Marcelo Meyer, uh, the high school shortstop from Southern California. Uh, a lot of upside, a good chance to play shortstop. He's going to hit. Uh, that the, the certainty in the bat is what a lot of, uh, a lot of people are, are looking at. And so that is what I'm going to go. Uh, I don't love... Comps, but if you really, really like him because he's a left-handed hitter, people see some Corey Seager. So that's uh, if I can get that kind of bat certainty, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that. And so Meyer is my pick.
1: Yeah, yeah it's funny too because it's I, I've used I when I when I interviewed him. I don't know if if us interviewing him like uh, influenced your decision there, Jonathan. Either, but uh, um, you know, I ran by your write up where he had the the Corey Seager bat with potential Brandon Crawford glove, um, uh, which is an enticing combination. I. It's weird. I I didn't have to pick number one. So I didn't necessarily think who I would have picked number one. I'm going to stick with the high school shortstops and take Jordan Lawler. And and I know I probably would take Marcella Meyer, number one. Like I I hadn't really thought it through. I I would take, I think I would have taken Marcella Meyer, number one, Jonathan. I I will take Jordan Lawler, the high school shortstop uh, from Texas at number two. Um, I'm taking him over Jack Leiter just because, you know, Jack had a little bit of a rough stretch and then took a week off. There's still, you know, a little question as to how much he holds up over a long season. So I'm going to take Jordan Lawler, who's got a chance to be a five-tool shortstop. I think he's got a higher ceiling than Meyer if I'm stacking those up against each other. I think he's a little bit more explosive in some of the things he does. But I think that that Meyer is a little bit more refined prospect as a hitter, as a defender. Does that seem like a, a fair assessment, Jonathan?
0: Yeah. and it, yeah, Yes. Although, you know what it is, Jim. Like you talk to different scouts, you get different opinions. And some people love Meyer's defense and, you know, think he's a better defender. But by and large, it's the certainty in the bat for Meyer and the sort of upside athleticism. Uh Lawler's a better runner, yep. uh, things like that. So, yeah, I think uh, I think you've you've nailed it. All right. On to pick number three. Um, I know people by now are probably wondering when either the Vanderbilt guys are going to go. Well, he's going to go right now. I will take Jack Lighter uh, at number three. Uh, he still could go number one. It was it was nice to see him right the ship. Uh, reports that I heard that he was kind of back to the the lighter we saw earlier in the season. So you know it may be in the end that he just did need a week off uh, given that this is the most he's ever pitched questions about durability sure um, but I, I think that he is uh, strong and athletic enough even though he's not the biggest guy in the world and as someone pointed out to me there are plenty of 6-1 right handers in the big leagues who are doing some some really really good things you just don't normally see them uh, taken this high in the draft but uh, his combination of stuff and feel for pitching is
1: is good for me at number three would you have taken him at number two No, I would have taken whichever shortstop you didn't take. Okay. Well, I think the first three picks have played out. (laughs) I think they would have played out the same way had we switched picks and I'd gone one and three and you'd gone two. The Red Sox have the fourth pick. Um, Right now, Twitter's preparing Mayo projects no Vanderbilt pitchers in top two uh, uh, because, again, this is not a mock at we can just have that play underneath. <laughs> That's right. We, we'll get a little, uh, little. We need a not, a not a mock jingle to to play. In the yeah, background. like a not a
0: mock baseline underneath.
1: But uh, number four. Anyway, number four pick, which belongs to the Red Sox. I'm going to go with Henry Davis, catcher out of Louisville. I think he's the the consensus top college bat in this draft. I like the bat enough, Jonathan, that you know he has some rough edges to smooth out as a catcher. I would let the bat play. Um, I want that bat in my lineup 140 games a year, not 100 and getting beat up by, by you know doing duty behind the plate. He's got a great arm. So I, I think maybe I could play him on an outfield corner, maybe even third base. But I'm going to take Henry Davis. He, from start to finish, been pretty consistent, been the best hitter in college baseball this year. So I'm taking Henry Davis at number four for the Red Sox. Yeah, I think
0: we're still kind of going by by book here. Uh, or chalk, however you want to, however you want to put it, uh, he is a guy who's definitely sort of moved into the that conversation up in that neck of the woods. Um, he was ranked seventh on our on our top one hundred and fifty, so it's not like this is a huge leap. Uh, picking number five, and I'm 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 honestly a little torn here. Um, I would be
1: too. I, I don't think this one's is easy necessarily. It's not as easy. This is
0: where things start to get a little bit interesting. And, you know what, I I think that I am going to go back to the high school position player ranks and go with Brady House, um, who is from Winder Barrow High School in Georgia. Uh, Kind of interesting path that he, he has taken because this is a guy who, I think before the summer started, a lot of people thought he might be the best player in the draft, and then he didn't go to all the all the events. He wasn't great when he was there some of the time, but he has had a very, very good spring. I think that he has shown that he has a more of a chance to stick at shortstop than people thought. But even if he doesn't, I think the bat and the power are there uh, to, you know, if he needed to move to third, that would be just fine. So I am, uh, I'm going to pass the, I can't believe I'm calling him the other Vanderbilt right-hander.
1: Okay. Well, you're, I'm not going to take him at six, Jonathan, for the Dimebacks pick. I, I'm going to, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it's tough. I'm going to, I keep saying this. I, I've had scouts tell me this, so it's not just me making this up. So I'm going to go with Jackson Job, the right-handed pitcher out of Heritage Hall in Oklahoma city, high school right-hander at number six. I, I, you know, high school right-handers they do come with risk, but Job's a guy who I think has the best combination uh, you know, of, of three pitches and athleticism and control in the entire draft. I, I think he, he, he's got, you know, better mix uh, than, than either lighter or rocker. I mean, he's got wipeout slider, mid-80s, elite spin rates over 3,000 RPM. He locates it really, really well. Um, you know, 92, 96, also high spin rates, riding action, commands it well. He's got a, you know, I've had guys tell me you could see like three, seven pitches out of him or, or I'm sorry, eight slider, seven fastball, seven change up and, and six command out of him this spring. He's been really, really good. He's super athletic. He plays shortstop. He's got an easy delivery. He repeats it well. I, I actually think, and people can call me crazy, that Jackson Job now I'm not saying there's not more risk, but Jackson Job has a higher ceiling than Jack Lighter or Kumar Rocker. So I, I will take Jackson Job at number six. I, I will plant that flag for the Diamondbacks. Uh, and and back to you, Johnson.
0: Very nice. Very nice. So the headline now, Kumar Rocker slides out of top five. In Subhead latest is Callis hates com. Vanderbilt
1: pitchers. So. Um,
0: right, right. The combination of those two things. Um, but you know what? I'm not going to let him go any further. I am going to take Kumar Rocker uh, at number seven. This is where the Royals would would be uh, taking, uh, and you know what? It, it, he could go up at the top, but there's a very good chance that if he slips out of the top five, then I'm not sure where he goes. I'm I'm working on a, on a new mock this week. I don't have any I don't have any intel, you know, right now. Um, but uh, it, it gets a little tricky. And listen, he's he is kind of what they look big he's dominant he's strong he's athletic he's got plus power stuff um you know we've talked about some of the command issues and he's not been quite as sharp of late that could change um you know this is the same guy who threw a no hitter in postseason play uh in 2019 so I can't imagine someone not sort of taking a flyer it's not a flyer that's that's unfair but you know i think there's some concern over uh over that command, uh, you know, and just uh, how the stuff will play. We've talked a lot about the the fact that he, he gets a lot of swings and misses on his slider out of the strike zone. I think he's going to figure it out and start landing that for strikes at the next level. He just hasn't had to. But Rocker, in a sh- in a shocking move, goes number seven in our draft. My dog is very excited about
1: Kumar If he, he likes that pick. He can't believe he lasted till seven. Um, the obligatory uh, Kumar Rocker update, you know, it's interesting, Jonathan. Again, we're talking about synergy, so we were able to break down his start. I was actually looking at it um, against Ole Miss over the weekend where he gave up three runs in seven innings, eight strikeouts, one walk. It was interesting because he threw – his most used pitch in that game was his curveball, which he was having trouble throwing for strikes, but he still threw 31 curveballs among 99 pitches, 30 fastballs, only all, range 91 to 95, so his velocity was down a little bit this weekend. Zero swings and misses on the fastball. And, and I think, and we've talked about this, I think that's the biggest difference between him and, and Jack Leiter is Jack Leiter gets more swings and misses with his fastball, even though he doesn't throw as hard as Kumar us, usually does. Um, and he gets more swings and misses in the zone. So anyway, real quick, I'm curious, Jonathan, I'm picking eighth here on behalf of the Rockies. Who do you, where do you think I'm going with this pick? I think I think I might... might, might might change it up and surprise you like i might have with jackson job do you have a projection for my i think pick. you're yeah. gonna
0: go with another high school hitter
1: okay you're right you may, may, maybe you know me even better than i thought i'm gonna go khalil <laughs> watson here yeah we're gonna we're gonna go four high school shortstops in the top eight really like khalil watson uh you know, he would be the first North Carolina high school shortstop taking the first round since Corey Seeger, who we were just talking about. Just this guy has so many tools. He's a potential five tool shortstop two two. He can really run. He's 5'9", 178 but he's he's got raw power. He's got an aggressive approach, but he makes a lot of contact. He's a definite shortstop. Really like Cleo Watson. He's generating a lot of buzz. I think he's probably gonna go pretty high in your mock draft uh when, when you release that later this week. But uh, excited to get uh, Khalil Watson here at number eight.
0: Yeah, a lot of people are very excited uh, about Khalil Watson. And, you know, we, we ranked him number 11 on our top 150. And he, he hadn't really even played yet because North Carolina started so late. So exciting to, to see him in action and kind of showing what, uh, what he was all about. Um, well, I think I am going to go... The college bat route here, and I'm going to take Sal Frelick from Boston College. Uh, A little bit of a safer pick. This is number nine overall uh, pick, but uh, this is a guy who has shown uh, that he can hit, and he's hitting well in the ACC against good competition. Um, So, uh, you know, he can really run. He's shown that he is a premium defender in center field. Uh, The power is the only question he is showing that he can impact the the ball enough. Um, So that is who uh, I'm taking. And I do think that he does go somewhere in the top 10, although that's not necessarily entering into,
1: into the equation right here. Okay. I'm going to go ceiling. I'm, I'm picking 10th. The Mets own that pick and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to shoot. I I think I'm shooting for ceiling today, Jonathan. I'm going to go the high school route, Again, so this is my my fourth high school player out of five, along with Harry Davis, and I'm going to stick with catchers named Harry for 200 and take Harry Ford, high school catcher from Georgia. Crazy tool package for a catcher, Jonathan. I mean, this guy's a plus runner. He ran a 6'4", 260 at the East Coast Pro Showcase last summer. He's got bat speed. He's got a lot of raw power. Um, He's got a solid arm as you might suspect for a guy who runs a six, four, he's very quick and agile behind the plate. Um, So athletic, he could play second base. He could play center field. He could play third, you know, he's gotten, I guess you'd call it a positional comp to Craig Biggio just for that kind of defensive versatility. But I, I I'm going to, I'm going to swing for the fences a little bit and take Harry Ford here at 10. I don't, I don't know if we were actually drafting against each other that I would have to take him this high to get him away from you, but I'm, I'm taking Harry Ford at ten. That's fine.
0: Although Henry Davis would like you to know, his name is Henry. Oh, I,
1: what am I thinking? I'm, I'm th- yeah, sorry. You, you
0: conflated them into one player. Oh, yeah.
1: Henry Ford. I could conflate them into Henry Ford. So uh, and, oh, and there, we, there you go. We make cars and as well as, <laughs> as catchers. So,
0: all right. Uh, on to number eleven, a pick. Yeah, we're getting to the point now where like, do we take the guy that we really want? Because I want to make sure
1: you don't get him. Take the guy uh, you really want. You take your Pennsylvania high school outfielder.
0: I am going to take my Pennsylvania. Him if you don't, so. yeah, I am going to take my Pennsylvania high school outfielder. That's Benny Montgomery uh, from Redland High School in Pennsylvania. Tremendous amount of tools. Uh, had a, you know was really good over the summer. Has had a lot, a lot, a lot of heat in as the they've played in fits and bursts. They've had you know weather and they've had COVID related things. Um, So uh, I'm excited to get him. There's a ton of power. There's a little bit of a hitch in the swing, uh, but I I think he's going to figure it out as much upside as perhaps anybody in this class, just because he's got all of the, all five of the tools um, at his disposal. It's just a question of him figuring it out. So uh, thank you for sort of pushing me in that direction, although that's who I was going to take anyway, but uh, I like this sort of upside potential
1: track we're on right now yeah i'm a little torn here at 12 um i don't know which way i want to go with this pick uh uh, let's just i mean i I, i'm going to take a cypress a former cypress ranch high school player with this pick but i don't know which one i'm going to mix it up a little bit i'm going to go with colton cowser out of sam houston state who who uh, you know, I, I like him. I, I actually, Jonathan, like him a little bit more than, than Sal Frelick. I, I think they're, they're kind of comparable players. You know, Calzer came into this year as one of the better hitters in college baseball. The questions were, could he stay in center field? Could he hit for power? And he, he's gone a little quicker. He's answered both those questions in a positive fashion. I, I'm going to take Colton Calzer of Sam Houston here at number 12, which would make him the highest pick in school history, Jonathan ahead of Glenn Wilson, who went 18th overall way back when. Oh, you love
0: throwing that draft history tidbit in there, don't you? I do. I do. We're going to go on to number 13, and, and I'm struggling here. This is the Phillies. Yeah, this is, the, this is where the Phillies would pick. I'm going, to, I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm going to go back to the college hitter rank, and I'm going to take Matt McClain, um, who is out right now with an injury. Uh, but he, you know, of course, was a first round pick of the Diamondbacks a few years ago, went on to UCLA, uh, was off, got off to an absolutely terrible start um, this year. Then was, really was starting to come on and hitting extremely well, um, kind of doing Matt McClain things, hitting for average. There's power there. The biggest thing between high school now is he's proven that he can play shortstop. He's got a chance to stay there. Worst case, he ends up as like a really good uh Offensive player at second base. Uh, so, you know, he's out now, but I don't think that that's going to hurt his draft stock too much when all is said and done.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm going to stick with the, the former Cypress Ranch uh, high school in, in Texas players and take Ty Madden out of the University of Texas, right-handed pitcher, best friends with Colton Cowser, So I have, I, I have great team chemistry if I was assembling these guys on the same team, Jonathan, but uh, you know, it's crazy you know back in 2018 Cypress Ranch had Ty Madden in the rotation along with JJ Goss who was a sandwich pick in 2019 Matt, Matt Thompson who was a second round pick in 2019 and and those two guys actually played center field when they weren't pitching and pushed Calzer to a corner but like you know Madden's just a guy he he's he's got you know Plus fastball, plus slider, four-pitch mix, throw strikes, good body. Um, I think there's a really good bet. He's a number three starter, maybe even a little bit more than that if it all comes together. So with the 14th pick, which belongs to the Giants, and it's kind of serendipitous there because they could use some pitching. They have a lot of position prospects. I'm taking Ty Madden from Texas. Now people are going to
0: think that you're saying that that's who the Giants are going to take. Well done.
1: Not a mock draft.
0: All right, let's keep things moving here. Uh, we're going to move on to number fifteen. That is the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm going to reach a little bit here because this is now territory. Uh, I, know, I know where you're
1: going. I think I, know I want where you're going. to get a
0: guy that I that I really like. He's moving up boards in a hurry. College arm, and that is Michael McGreevy. Is that where you thought I was going?
1: No, that's where I thought you were going. Yep.
0: Yeah, he is the right hander from UC Santa Barbara. Uh, that, of course, the home. American League Cy Young Award winner Shane Bieber uh, he, it, it, It's a really interesting combination of size. He's six foot four and a legitimate four pitch mix. He's always thrown a ton of strikes, and his stuff has gotten better. He's now up to ninety six. He uh, throws it with good movement. He, he actually has distinct slider and, and curve. The slider's a little bit better. Good changeup. Uh, you know, still throwing a lot of strikes. He has had some very big outings of late. He had a little bit of a weird line this last uh, weekend, although it was dominant. He gave up ten hits in six and the third innings and struck out twelve. Um, so he was maybe around the zone a little too much, but uh, didn't uh, didn't give up much in in the way of runs there. So uh, he's a guy that I think is a rare college p- pitcher with some some upside because I think he's going to fill out that frame and he's going to start throwing harder as he gets into into the pro game.
1: And I'll even throw this out there, Jonathan. I mean, I almost wonder if the draft for today, if he would go higher than that. He, he had I almost a,
0: took him in the Montgomery spot, Yeah, because I was afraid you were going to
1: take him. He has a ton of helium. I, I, I thought about him. I, I thought about I, I wanted to get that Cypress Ranch chemistry going. So, I like it. I like uh, it. It's Michael McGreevy. 16. I was going to say, Michael McGreevy, Jonathan, the first player taken today that we did not take in our 20-pick, not a mock draft, back in on April 20th, I'm going to take a second player who was in the not a mock draft from April 20th, and I will take Judd Fabian for the Miami Marlins at number 16, uh, University of Florida center fielder, and and Jonathan, his season has kind of fascinated me. He, He came into the year as a guy who had a chance, you know, kind of consensus, top 10 pick, maybe goes in the top five. And just got off to a dreadful start. It was striking out at a 40% clip the first month or so of the season. And, I mean, you can't have that. I mean, that's not going to translate well into pro ball, let alone the big leagues. And then, I mean, it, it seems almost like over to oversimplify this, but he, he changes two strike approach. He's not striding. He's not doing a leg lift. It, it's just, you know, pretty basic two strike approach. And ever since then, his strikeout rate has been, you know, a much, much more palatable 15%. He's got 20 homers now, which I haven't checked, but he's right up there, if not leading NCAA Division One. He, he just victimized my my poor Georgia Bulldogs for two homers on Saturday. And, and he's got tools to go with it. I mean, this isn't a one-dimensional guy. This is a center fielder with solid speed. Um, I think Judd Fabian is climbing back up boards. Um, and I will take Judd Fabian for the Miami Marlins at number 16.
0: I like it. I like it. Um, I think I'm going to... Hmm. Well, the question is,
1: how far do I want to reach? It, you know I'm it's not uh, in my draft, Jonathan. So it's like, no, I'm, I know. I know. I'm I know, the reds. Take the guy you like the best here. Well, no.
0: I, I'm going I'm to see if I can have my cake and eat it, oh, too. No. So I'm going to take Joe Mack here Okay. Uh, for another high school catcher going in the top 20 picks. Um, he is someone who did go. Uh, he, and, he and Harry Ford actually went back-to-back at the end Last time he's from upstate New York. Uh, a lot of tools. Uh, very good chance to stick behind the plate. Uh, you know, so high school catching is what it is in terms of the, the difficulty in developing it. But I'm willing to roll the dice here because if it all clicks for him, this is a guy who has the chance to, you know, be a an everyday big league catcher uh, at a at a very very high level.
1: I like it. I like it. I don't think you're going to pick this guy. So I guess you are going to have your cake and eat it too. Uh, I'm projecting you with Andrew Painter at number 19, Jonathan, but we'll see if that comes to fruition. I'm going to take Jordan Wicks at number 18 for the Cardinals, a Kansas state left-hander. You know, it's not a good draft for college lefties in terms of first round talent. I think, you know, you know, there's some depth as you get going on. And to me, Wicks is clearly the best lefty, In the country, he might have the best changeup in the draft. He throws a ton of strikes. Um, He's got a fastball that kind of ranges from 90 to 95, and he commands it and has good riding life up in the zone. And, you know, his numbers aren't as great this year, Because scouts are kind of frustrated that that, that Kansas State has had him throw a lot of sliders instead of using the changeup more, but it's actually made his slider better. You know, his breaking ball was a question coming into the year. Now he's got a solid low 80 slider that he could turn into a harder cutter. He's he's got kind of a fringy curveball. I I like Jordan Wicks. I I think there's a lot of floor there and some ceiling too. So I'm taking Jordan Wicks. I, I do not think Jordan Wicks was your target at 19.
0: He was not. He was not. I was... Contemplating two different high school pitchers, and you are correct. I will take the right-hander I was thinking of and Andrew Painter from Calvary Christian in Florida, a big, tall right-hander. You know, at one point in time was sort of thought to be the best high school pitcher in this class, and then Joe kind of passed him by, and Painter has had good stuff. He just hasn't been quite as dominant uh, this spring as people would have hoped. He's been very, very good. And I, I like the combination of size stuff and, and his feel for pitching kind of reminds me. It's weird to make a comp to a guy from last year's draft, but he's he's a little Mick Abel for me just in terms of that size and but with a good feel for pitching. So uh, the ceiling plus uh, a knowledge of, of what to do with this stuff now intrigues me. And that's why I'm taking Painter
1: here. Who Who's the other right, Jim, guy you last considering. who considering? Who, who was the other high school pitcher you were uh, considering there?
0: uh anthony solemetto the lefty from new jersey
1: okay that, that would have been an interesting one i could see that I, I could i could see that um and, and i will wrap up the, the, this 20 pick and we emphasize again not a mock draft the 20th pick belongs to the yankees uh, you know it's the last pick of the draft I, i'm gonna go with the gut feel guy not necessarily the guy who would be the, the very next guy on my board i, I really like will taylor the, the high school outfielder uh, from Dutch Fork High in South Carolina. Super interesting guy, um, three-sports star, uh, led led his team to the South Carolina 5A state title as a quarterback last fall in football. He's committed to play slot receiver for Clemson. Dabo Swinney keeps com, uh, com comparing him to you know Clemson legend Hunter Renfro as a wide receiver. He's won a pair of state wrestling championships. Um, and even though he's been diverted playing these other sports at a high level – he, he's not your, your typical multi-sport athlete who's really raw. He, he's got skills. He, he makes contact at the plate. He did that in the showcase circuit. He makes adjustments at the plate. There were some questions as to how much impact he'll have you know, in terms of power, but he's wiry strong. He's driving the ball more. Um, you know, I think he's a 15-homer guy. I think he could be 20 homers if he adds some more loft. He's got you know plus plus-plus speed grades. Some guys even have him quicker than that. He can play center field. So I, I really like Will Taylor's upside. And and, and and I will take Will Taylor. You know, he's got – it's not just upside. He's got skills too. I will take Will Taylor. I will I will take all that at number 20. The Yankees should be thrilled if they get Will Taylor at 20.
0: Closing things out uh, right there, and in case people wonder what kind of player Jim and I like collectively, eight high school hitters taken in the top 20. That leads the group. Five shortstops, four outfielders, a total of six right-handers. Um, taken in the draft, Most, mostly college pitchers, uh, the two high schoolers also taken in. That's all right. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking draft here on the MLB Pipeline podcast. You know what's a tough pill to swallow? Watching your team strand runners. You know what's an easy pill to swallow? The new daily multivitamin from official MLB partner Roman. The peppermint-coated pills are created by doctors and backed by science. Whether you're a five-tool player or just looking to support your general health, the 23 ingredients target men's everyday nutrient needs and overall well-being. Visit getroman.com/mlb today to learn more and bring your A-game every day. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jonathan Mayo with Jim Callis. And Jim had the chance to chat recently with uh, high school shortstop Marcelo Meyer, whose name is being bandied about at the very, very top of the draft. So let's uh, take a listen to their conversation now.
1: Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. I'm here with Marcelo Meyer, one of the top prospects for the 2021 draft. Thanks for joining us today, Marcelo. Really appreciate uh, your time.
2: Of course. Thank you for having me.
1: So obviously, you know, the last couple of years have been not normal years with COVID and everything going on. Your high school season started a lot later than it normally would, right? You guys didn't start playing until the end of March. What did you do with the extra downtime before the season started?
2: Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, there was really a lot more time to prepare. So preparation was really key. You know, I did a lot of offseason workouts more than I usually could especially starting from the summer since we didn't really have a full summer I was able to start those off-season workouts since the beginning of my since the end of my junior year season so just doing a lot of workouts like that and then really just taking a bunch of reps fielding and hitting.
1: And how do you feel like that's helped I mean I know you're off to a pretty good start you know from what scouts have been telling me I mean do you feel like that's really helped uh, that extra preparation?
2: Yeah I think it has helped I mean obviously the more grounders you take and the more you hit you know the better the more prepared you're going to be so I think it, it really did help and you know,
1: I take advantage of it pretty well. How, what's it like going through the draft process? I mean, obviously on one hand, I mean, you, you have to know some of what's going on and you're being talked about at the very top of the draft. But well, on the other hand, I mean, I can imagine that can get kind of distracting. I mean, do you, how much do you try to follow that stuff? I mean, I know you can't avoid it, but I mean, do you try to keep up or, or, or what do you make of all that attention?
2: You know, I don't really try to keep up. Obviously it's, it's almost impossible not to, you know, I open my phone and there's tags about me and stuff. You know, but you know, really, right now I'm just focused on my high school season, enjoying my senior my senior year with my teammates. And, you know, just trying to win one more CIF.
1: How much longer uh, does your season go? You know, we're talking it's May fifteenth. How much How much longer do you have season wise?
2: We have like eight more league games and then probably like four playoff games.
1: I got you. I got you. And then from a high school standpoint. Are you able to have a graduation this year? I mean, I know guys didn't last year. Is it gonna be a, a somewhat normal graduation or maybe outdoors and spaced out a little bit more?
2: Yeah, somewhat. It's gonna be so what my school's doing is we're gonna have like time slots. So there's four time slots, and then it's gonna be at our at our school's football field. So we just pick our time slots and then we're gonna go, you know.
1: I got you. Well, I mean it's certainly better than last year where everybody yeah. got canceled and graduation got canceled and, and it was kind of rough. How much? How much did you participate on the showcase circuit? I mean, the high school circuit was more normal compared to what happened with the college summer leagues last summer. Uh, you know, how, what did, how much did you participate uh, on that circuit? And, um, you know, what did you think you took from that?
2: I wouldn't say I really participated much. You know, due to COVID, I didn't really travel much. But, you know, I did go to the PG All-American game and the Under Armour All-American game, and they are great events. You know, getting to play with the, with the best talent uh, across the country is, is very fun. You know, you get to really showcase your skills in front of a lot of scouts. So it was really fun. And, you know, you, you know, you just got to have a good time with it, you know, because you only do it uh, so many times.
1: Yeah, I, I missed – you know, they usually do the Under Armour games usually here in Chicago where I live, and and I broadcast yeah. it every year. So I was disappointed. I mean, one of many things that kind of fell by the wayside. Who was the uh, – I always like to ask guys, who was the best pitcher you faced in, in those games? Would anybody in particular stand out?
2: I mean, probably I would say Christian Little. Christian was a good pitcher. He painted the outside corner on me a couple of times. So.
1: Well, you won't have to see him for a couple of years now because, he, yeah. as, as you know, but our listeners may not, he graduated early. He's at Vanderbilt as a freshman in what would have been his, his senior season. Um, you know, it, it's a good draft for shortstops, Marcella. You've got, you know, Jackson Lawler, you know, is going to go at the top of the draft. You know, Brady House is going to go at the top of the draft. Cole Watson could, could go at the top of the draft. Have you gotten to know those guys a little bit at some of these events? Do you guys, you know, pick your brain, pick, pick each other's brains? I mean, do you, do you see things they do and try to figure out, you know, how they do it? What's your relationship with some of those guys?
2: Yeah, you know, we've all played with each other several times, you know, starting from pretty much our freshman year going to USA baseball and stuff. You know, yeah, you do try to, you know, pick pick their brains as they try to pick your brains, you know, but, you know, I really just go out and play my game. I don't really focus on anyone else, you know, and I just try to, you know, handle my my own, my own game.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you go to Eastlake high school in Chula Vista, which is, is famous in baseball circles. Adrian Gonzalez was the number one overall pick back in 2000. Keone, Keone Cavaco was a first round pick just a couple of years ago. Did, did you play with Keone? You guys would have overlapped. Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. We went CIF myself
1: So I, does it make this at all a little bit easier, Marcelo, having seen him go through the process? Although I think with him, I mean, guys knew who he was, but he kind of surged into the late round kind of late. Yeah. But I mean, did watching him deal with some of this stuff, does it help you deal with it? You know, having watched somebody go through it?
2: Yeah, 100 percent, you know, because, you know, you know what you're going to get get yourself into. And, you know, I think me and Kenny were in were in different situations. I've been, you know, he was more of like a like you said, they, they saw him really late. And for me, they've been seeing me probably since my sophomore year due to Keone. So. You know, I'd say I'm a little more more used to playing in front of people. So it doesn't really doesn't really affect me in any way.
1: When did you first realize I'm gonna go pretty good in the draft? I might might wind up being a first round pick. How early did you, did you get a sense of that?
2: I'd say starting this year.
1: Okay, so not yeah. even during the last summer you didn't really sense that at all? Or
2: I mean I, I always knew I could have, and you know, that's if if I get drafted in the first round, you know, nothing's certain in this life, but right. You know, I always believed in my ability and I always thought that, you know, I could go, you know, as high as being the number one pick.
1: And it was interesting because we taught, I remember, you know, it was such a weird year. The area code games were in Georgia instead of California. And I remember guys saying, you know, one of the best players in the country isn't here. You know, Marcel Meyer, you know, keep an eye on, on him. That's a name you're going to need to know for next year. So, so guys were, were definitely talking you you up to me. Yeah, I've heard all kinds of great, you know, scouting reports on you from from people in the game. You know, Jonathan Mayo, who who does a lot of our California stuff, wrote your your scouting report on our site, Marcel. And I don't know if you've seen that, but he, he had an evaluator say that you could be uh, like a Corey Seager type offensive player and a Brandon Crawford type defensive player. Uh, had you seen that? Had you had you heard that line? Or
2: no, I actually haven't. <laughs>
1: What's it say? I mean, when you hear the stuff like that, how does it make you feel? I mean, that must feel pretty good to, to hear. things.
2: Yeah, like. I mean, it, it feels great. You know, it's an honor that people think that highly of me, you know, but like I said, I'm just going to go and take a uh, try to play my game, you know, and just try to kind of create my own brand and play my own style of baseball.
1: Well, that definitely makes sense. How would you break yourself down as a player? If you were if you were scouting yourself and and, and breaking down the five tools, how would you describe yourself?
2: I mean, I'd say I'm a 5'2 player that could do all of them at at the top level.
1: What do you think you need to work on the most?
2: Probably probably my speed. You know, I'd say a lot of scouts say my my home to first time isn't the best, you know, but I'm not really focused on on hit, getting infield singles, you know. I'm trying to split gaps, so it's not really something that, that crosses my mind too much.
1: And I'd say, too, you know, it's interesting. I, I feel like speed is kind of the hardest thing. Like, one of the trigger things to evaluate in a position player because – you get the home to first time and some of that's predicated on how big a swing you have, yeah. you know, on that at bat. And it doesn't necessarily equate to first step quickness, you know, cause you're, you know, you you know, you're swinging, you know, you can do the 60, but that's a straight line speed. And in baseball, there's not a lot of times you're running in a straight line. So it's, it's, it's tough, you know, and even like the statcast stuff in the big leagues, sprint speed is kind of peak speed, but it doesn't tell me yeah. how quick you get to that peak speed. So like, I always feel like speed's one of those things, uh, it's an imperfect measure. You know, like I can, you can watch guys take BP and see how the ball comes off their bat. Or you can watch them in a game and see how they react to spin. And you can watch guys take ground balls and throw all that stuff. You can kind of grade, but but the speed one, it's hard sometimes to find in context.
2: Yeah, because also a lot of it has to do with the angles you take, you know, on the base pass. Because, you know, you're not running in a straight line. So, you know, you can be fast, but if you don't know how to really run the bases, and it's not really going to work out, you know.
1: Exactly, exactly. How many um, how many teams have you met with? Is it still? Is this year still a lot of Zoom meetings with players? I mean, I know that was definitely what was going on in, in 2020. Is is that the same thing? Is as a player, you wind up instead of having home meetings, you do Zoom meetings with teams?
2: Yeah, pretty much. That's what it's been. It's been all through Zoom. I want to say I've met with almost all the teams, you know, before high school season started. Since high school season started, you know, it's kind of been a little more mellow. I haven't really done any zoom meetings, you know, but yeah, I'd say probably 25, 26 teams.
1: That makes sense. And it's, uh, you know, this year's going to be a little different because the draft's not until July, which is the the first time that's happened. So I think you'll probably have more zoom meetings in your future after your season's over. You know, like, I think from a player standpoint, it's nice. That instead of having to do some of that stuff while the season's going on, you know, the draft's not three weeks away, like it normally would be. You can kind of get your season done, and then there's time. Have you? Are, do you have any plans as to what you're going to do between the end of the season and the draft? Um, at, at this point, I mean, probably just
2: prepare for it, and you know, just just work out hard, and you know, just keep doing what I've been doing, taking as many ground balls as possible, and hitting hitting on on the field.
1: Who's your uh, Who's your favorite big league player?
2: I like Tatis right now.
1: Okay probably probably Marcel you probably played too well to become a padre though. so <laughs> you're, you're probably gonna have to play against him rather than with him but wait what's your favorite part of the game I mean, he's I mean not only is he talented he's just super fun to watch
2: yeah that's really what it is he's just super exciting you know people people uh buy padre tickets to go watch him you know so it's just it's really fun going to watch him play
1: yeah definitely definitely well it's uh I appreciate your time Marcel can you think of anything else I should ask you about or anything else you'd like to bring up it's uh going to be exciting. I I'm, like, I'm actually looking forward to, to getting to see you play. Like I I feel like I missed on the live of the 2020 guys live because we had no PDP league, we had no Under Armour game. I'm looking forward to seeing you play at some point in the near future.
2: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Well, good luck. Uh, good luck with the draft and down the stretch. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's still too early to know exactly who's going where, but it's uh, I am expecting we'll hear your name called in the first few picks. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, when the draft goes in July and am looking forward to to watching you play in the near future. Thanks, Marcella. Thank you, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Really enjoyed talking to Marcelo. I thought he was, you know, very self-aware as a prospect, Jonathan. Uh, you know, he said probably the biggest thing he needs to work on is his speed. I think scouts would agree with that. And uh, you know, he, he he enjoyed your Corey Seager bat, uh, Brandon Crawford glove comparison when I ran that by him. Sweet. So uh, we'll see him possibly, you know, going number one overall, and I think certainly in the top three, four picks uh, when the draft's in July.
0: Excellent. All right. We're going to uh, take another break. And when we come back, we'll have our five guys jumping on to the top 200 draft list right after this on the MLB Pipeline
2: podcast. I'm Xavier Scruggs, host of the Bigs. And this ain't your average sports podcast. This is MLB's first player to player show you'll hear behind-the-scenes insights from guys like Chicago White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson.
1: You know, I was the youngest, and, you know, being black coming up, man, it was definitely weird, you know, trying to have some locker room presence. I formed myself into a player I am today, so now there's a lot of respect that comes with that.
2: Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher David Price. Double-A was in Montgomery. We had six guys staying in a two-bedroom. You know, I slept on an air mattress under the dining room table. And my guy, St. Louis Cardinals pitcher Jack Flaherty. My mom was scared. She was like, it's a scary place to be in because I don't want, you know, she saw what happened in Kaepernick. The best way to hear these conversations is to subscribe. Find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen.
0: All right, welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Once again, Jonathan Mayo, along with Jim Callis. And what has become a... Fairly regular feature is our five guys who dot dot dot. And in this case, uh, in advance of the top 200, the expansion of the top 200 draft prospect list, we are uh, going to do five guys who are joining the list uh, and are making a fairly nice debut appearance uh, on, on the list. Now, some of these guys were on the list back in December. So we don't want to hear from anybody saying, well, what do you mean? Like they've, they've been on those before, but not so far this spring. I'm going to kick things off with Michael Robertson. He's a high school outfielder from Florida. Uh, really interesting guy, mostly because he's probably one of the fastest guys in the drive class, at least 70 speed. Uh, some scouts have had 80 speed on, on him, uh, can really defend in, in center field. The, the big question about him was the bat and how much would he be able to impact uh, the ball he's he's never going to be a huge power guy, uh, but the 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 lack of strength was a little bit concerning, and that's why he wasn't on the list. Um, he is on the list now because he's been swinging the map better he's been driving the ball a little bit more looks like a table setter a uh, type of guy
1: well I've got two more hitters for you, Jonathan, as part of the five guys Tyler McDonough, outfielder from North Carolina State. Uh, we ranked him on the list last year. He could have gone in the in the five-round draft a year ago. He, he had a high price tag that kind of knocked him out of that. But he's, he's just a really versatile guy. He, he's a switch hitter, more of a hit-over-power guy in the past, but he's gotten stronger. He's driving the ball more this year. Solid runner, um, good instincts uh, in center field. Uh, He's played some second base in the past. He was catcher in high school, although when he got to NC State, Patrick Bailey was behind the plate, so he he wasn't going to catch. You know, Bailey was a first-round pick last year. Um, You know, he could either be you know, maybe a, a regular, he could be that super utility guy where you play three outfield spots, you know, and second base and third base. Um, scouts love his makeup, and he gets compared to grinders like Adam Eaton or Brock Holt, depending on what you envision his, his future role is going to be. And, and then I'll, I'll go the high school route with another hitter, and that would be Cooper Kinney uh, from the Baylor School in, in Tennessee. And he was a guy who I actually considered a little bit for the preseason top 100. I consider him from the top 150. Didn't quite get him on there. We'll we'll get him on in a nice, healthy spot when we do the 200. All the area guys love this guy. He can really, really hit. I I think he's kind of similar, Jonathan. It's a similar kind of situation to... Peyton Stovall, high school kid from Louisiana, who who maybe, you know, he's one of the best hitters in the draft and and will go in the first round. I I think Kenny could go in the third round, even though it's a guy you're projecting to play second base at best at the next level. It's not even a lock. He can stay at second. He's kind of a, a well below average runner with an average arm. But he can really, really hit um, and, and get to some power. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to see where he goes in the bat. It go in the goes in the draft because it's a great bat, but a tough profile. But, but, but definitely an interesting bat.
0: Excellent. I'm going to finish things off with two high school lefties. Um, I'll start with Mason Albright, uh, who was on the list back in December uh, at IMG Academy. Uh, not the not a, the biggest guy in the world. Got pitchability, lefty. Uh, And, you know, sort of interesting because I I tend to really like guys who can pitch Uh, his stuff backed up for a bit of the spring, a little bit of a long arm action in the back that that scouts didn't love. Uh, So this isn't a guy who threw hard to begin with. So if his stuff wasn't as sharp, then uh, you worry about his ceiling. There's not a lot of projection, but he's got a full array of pitches and he really knows how to pitch Um, over the summer. He was really, really good, very efficient, works quickly, competes on the mound. Uh, One of those, you know, one of those lefties you see end up, uh, you know, in a rotation in the big league for a really long time because of that feel for pitching. Last guy I'm going to talk about is Pierce Coppola, who's kind of the other end of the issue. He's six foot eight, um, pure projection, you dream on, uh, from Verona High School. Jim, who is the most famous alumni of Verona High School?
1: Well, Well, Verona High School in New Jersey, known for producing tall left handers. Um so I would say the most famous uh, product of Verona that I know is my is my good friend Jonathan Mayo.
0: Yeah, I I maybe I'm second most famous Jay Moore the comedian and actor also went to Verona High School, so I You're can't You're funnier can't than he fun. is. Though, so. oh, thank you. And then uh now I've already forgotten the this guy in the NFL uh who went there. But um but thank you. I I appreciate that. Yeah, so it's been fun sort of hearing about Verona High School and and in in in, in our sphere uh, because I played on that team and we, we weren't very good. So to have a guy that size and he's, you know, 90 to 95 uh, knows how to spin a breaking ball, uh, but it's, uh, it's mostly projection, but six foot eight and, and left-handed uh, we'll see what happens with him in terms of his sign ability. He's committed to go to the university of Florida. So even if he doesn't sign, I could see in three years in Florida's program, him being, uh, you know, like a first round kind, kind of pick, but there are teams that are, that are very interested in bringing them in and letting them develop professionally.
1: And Jonathan, your, your NFL guy is tight end Anthony Fasano. That, that is your, your, your I am
0: embarrassed and I apologize to Hillbilly nation. Yes, we were the Verona Hillbillies. Really? Uh, Um, I apologize for not knowing uh, his name right off the top of my head. Um, all right. So we don't want to completely ignore what's going on in the, in the minor leagues and prospects in, in, in that, in that regard. And, uh, Last week, we had uh, kind of a two-for-one special courtesy of the Seattle Mariners. Jared Kelnick and Logan Gilbert both made their debuts. Uh, You know, Gilbert really uh, quickly showed some good things. While people were very excited, got uh, hit around a little bit. Also not terribly shocking for a guy making his big league debut. But let's start with him, Jim, just quickly. What What you took away from how Gilbert looked and, and, and was able to do in, in his first taste of big league action.
1: Yeah, I, I thought the stuff was fine. I mean, I, I, I thought it, it looked kind of like the typical guy making his first big league start in that he didn't locate his pitches. He, he, he didn't walk anybody, but he didn't locate his pitches quite as well as he wanted, got beat for a couple home runs. But, I mean, the, the thing to remember with Logan Gilbert is, I mean, because, you know, they, they kind of handled him with care coming out of the draft in 2018 when he was dealing with Mono, he'd only pitched... 135 innings uh well i'm sorry 140 innings in the minor leagues total he had made 27 starts he had made i think 10 above the the a-ball level um and, and again i mean the future is so bright in, in seattle jonathan i mean I, I think that's that's your future it'll be interesting to see who, who's your future number one start in seattle is it him is it emerson hancock or does, does george kirby sneak in there
0: yeah, um, and maybe it's just a three-headed monster and you don't really worry about who the true number one is. I, I think, uh, you know, it, anyway, you slice it, the things are looking good on the mound there. Uh, and then there's Jared Kelnick, um, you know, number four on, on our top 100. So people are very, very excited to see him get up to the big leagues. And he is 0 for 4 in his first start. So people were hoping for big fireworks – just had to wait one day uh, and day two, he settled in He had three hits, two doubles and a homer kind of showed what he can do then went over 10 after that. So I, I think, you know, obviously you have to allow for some uh, transition and settling. in. I have very little question about Jared Kendrick's ability to produce at the big league level.
1: No, I, I don't either. I mean, and, you know, I won't get into the long version of the story, but like, as I've said many times on this podcast and elsewhere, when I talked to him in the AFL and he played one full season in pro ball and asked him what he needed to, needed to do to be ready for the big leagues, he said, oh, my skills are ready now. I, I think I'm ready to play. Like the big thing is going to be learning to deal with adversity because there will be adversity to come. You know, his makeup, Jonathan, I'm with you. I, I'm not worried about him at all. His makeup is just as impressive as his tools. This guy's going to be a superstar. I mean, really, my only question with him is ultimately, who's better, Jerry Kelnick or Julio Rodriguez?
0: That is going to be a very fun debate in Seattle, indeed. You know, just as much fun as who the number one starter is going to be. So uh, excited to see what both Gilbert and Kelnick do uh, mo- moving forward. Uh, also, moving forward, as we have been trying to do. Uh, over uh, over time here as guys have graduated off the top 100 and we bring new guys in, we want to just shine a quick light on the new guys who have have just entered. And they are, uh, and this is where we've had three since last week's podcast, Alec Manoa of the Blue Jays, who we had to leapfrog over somebody on the Blue Jays list, uh, Gunnar Henderson in the Orioles, and Jackson Kowar of, of the Royals. Uh, Jim, before we had to mailbag anything, Quickly on this one, the, the guy I'm most excited about to see on there is Gunnar Henderson, because I've been hearing <laughs> about how good he's looked. My dog also very excited about Gunnar Henderson's upside. Tremendous athlete. He's big, but it looks like he can play shortstop. He can run. He's got power. So he's the guy that kind of stands out to me.
1: Yeah, 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 I'll second all that. I mean, I, I think it's it's not a coincidence that two of these three guys were high picks in the 2019 draft and Manoa and Henderson. And it was just it was tough to get some as many of those guys on the list as early as they might have otherwise from the standpoint of we didn't have as many graduations last year because there weren't as many guys playing in the big leagues. And the guys from to the 2019 draft basically got to play a little bit during the summer of 19 and then didn't play. I, I think both those guys, Manoa and Henderson, would have been on that list earlier had we had a normal season. And just the interesting thing with Kowar is that's all three first-round picks that the Royals made in 2018 – um, have been top 100 prospects. You know, Brady Singer's already in the big leagues and has graduated. And Daniel Lynch is pretty high up on the list. And, and now Jackson Kolar joins them with that that top 100 prospect pedigree.
0: Excellent. All right, let's finish things off as we always do uh, with the mailbag. And this week's question, is, we you, you teased it earlier, Jim. I don't know if you. I, I didn't even mean were, to.
1: I realized it was like a sneak preview. It was yeah.
0: a sneak preview. Um, this comes from at J McDermott. Oh, one, Justin McDermott. I am an eighth grade social studies teacher in Louisiana. I'm also a huge Diamondbacks Cowboys. So that's just his bio. I didn't need to get into that much. But anyway, he is a teacher. <laughs> I Street want to Coast, know more Louisiana. about Justin
1: McDermott. Come on.
0: <laughs> He's, he is a master of history, evidently. But he really wants to know about Peyton Stovall. I've seen a r- wide range of evaluations on Peyton Stovall. What's his ceiling floor? Where does he go? Jim, I'm going to let you have the final word for this week's podcast on this because Stovall is, after all, your guy.
1: Yeah, Stovall one of the guys who's, who's a little tough to figure out because, you know, like I was alluding to before, he's, he's a really good hitter, but the question is, where do you play him? Um, he is probably the best hitter in the Midwest, college or high school, one of the best hitters in the draft. I, I had a scout who's been around for a long time, said Stovall has the best swing in his area since Todd Walker, who was the eighth overall pick in 1994. I, I was on the college beat, Jonathan, when Todd Walker was at LSU. He's probably the best second baseman in college baseball history. Unbelievable hitter. So that, that caught my attention. He, you know, he, he barrels the ball at will. He drives the ball to all fields without, you know, swinging for the fences. He's just a, a, a just tremendously gifted hitter. But he's a high school shortstop. He's a fringy runner with a fringy arm. You're, you're hoping he can play second base, but it, but his floor half, you know, is a little bit thick already. And if he slows down second base might not be an option. And and then you have to put him in left field. Um, but you know, in terms of the draft, I think the bat is so good. I think there's a good chance he goes in the first round. I I think his, his, his floor draft wise, I I don't know if the, if, if the ceiling floor was, was in terms of the draft, I I think the ceiling would be to go in the twenties in the draft. Um, I mean, I guess you could kind of compare him, Jonathan, to Nick York, who went 17th to the Red Sox in last year's draft. Um, And I I think the floor would be early second round. I I just think this bat is too good. Even if he does wind up in left field, I I think you could have a six-hitter with a a six-power and that profile's in left.
0: Excellent. Good way to end. I love guys who can hit regardless of where they play. And as we've heard many, many times, that's an axiom that I never get tired of. Guys who hit find their way into a lineup. So, I'm excited to see what happens with him. That's going to be a wrap for this week's MLB Pipeline podcast. My thanks to Jim Callis, of course. Uh Ian and Emily on the on the back end. Thank you for putting this together and making us uh sound somewhat intelligent. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. See you next week. And remember, it was not a mock. Talk to you next week. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB.